0: The following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production. You can find this and many other great ORED Podcast Network shows at OREDpodcastnetwork.com, bringing on demand geek audio straight to your ears. Welcome to the 11pm Somewhere Podcast. My name is Zine, and on this show, beer and life. More than a set of hashtags, more than hashtag real beer, more than hashtag no crap on tap, and definitely more than hashtag say no to fizzy piss. Real beer is a way of life for all of us here. Check out the 11pm podcast. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been checking out the show to date. We're just getting more and more downloads for the each, as each episode goes up. And you know what? The reaction has been really good. And a couple of people i have actually got to talk to in person or engage with on Twitter. You know, again, reaction has been really, really good. So, you know what? Uh, guys, I really hope that the show keeps, uh, keeps doing what it's doing for you. And uh, if you have any suggestions or you want to interact, by all means, hit me up on Twitter at 11pm. Somewhere podcast. So, what I wanted to do was first of all, apologize for the show going up a day late. Yesterday, I was actually uh, doing a belated celebration of my birthday where I decided to go and hit up uh, some of Dublin's finest establishments because, of course, I live in Kilcock, which for a lot of people know is out in the sticks. So, I wanted to go and hit up some fine establishments. Went into Bison uh, Barbecue there on the Keys in Dublin City. If you have never been into Bison, may I recommend you get off your ass. Walk your ass in there and go and hit up and try out some of their queue. It is amazing. Really, really deep flavours. Really intense. Great barbecue sauces. Great aroma in the place. Really great quality produce that they're using uh, in their foods. Exceptional stuff. And you know what? Great value for money as well. Um highly recommend picking up one of their sandwiches in there they do a great pulled pork sandwich you know for seven euros uh if you sit in and you get a side and if you think about it you'll go into a brine's and you'll get a sandwich and it'll you know it may cost you in and around that same by the time you walk out with a drink or whatever on top of it but you know seven seven clams you cannot cannot beat that um it was also went into Farrington's uh or got to again hit up Barry man is a wealth of information it's incredible uh, and was kind enough to uh, invite me to try a whole crap ton of of great Irish craft and great Irish real beers uh, that were out there and that was really great although I did actually kind of break it a little bit and I had one uh, American beer I was in there but you know it just had to be done it was begging it was a uh, modus operandi it was screaming to be tried uh, me being a huge fan of a ton of IBUs all up in your face. Very, love it. Big wadloads of flavour. Uh, I want to say real thanks to Barry for that yesterday. Um, that was really cool. And I also want to throw a bit of a shout-out to the guys in BrewDuck. Uh Again, you have got an amazing establishment in there. You really do. You've got... What's what's funny is, uh, another guy who listens to the show, and a guy who like uh, I work with during my day job uh, on Twitter, F Chizanko. um We always have a conversation about what we would do if we actually owned our own bar. Like, what we would do in terms of laying it out, in terms of doing nothing but sort of craft beers and real beers, none of your commercial fizzy piss, nothing from InBev, nothing from Diageo, nothing from Heineken, and certainly nothing from Molson Coors, or any of these sort of big drink conglomerates. And that would be on the spirit side, and also on the beer side of things, and especially on the wines too. And one thing we always came back to talking about was, you know, you can do amazing foods with those on your menu, uh, such as, you know, doing really cool gourmet foods or or sort of gourmet takes on, on bar food, things like burgers, dippers, wings and all the rest of that kind of good stuff. And one of the things we'd always said was, you always feel that when you see that in some cases, things get let down when you ask for like a bar snack. And bar snacks means you either get tossed a bag of like, Scampy fries, bacon fries, potato or king crisps, or Manhattan peanuts, you know. Again, like, well, some of these may be uh, Irish produce and Irish products, um, you know what, they they kind of, like, when you go into that sort of care and attention for, you want to select guest beers to go in your guest beer taps, and you put great effort into what's going on in the kitchen, and then you sort of pull out these highly commercial, very, very uh, slick marketed, like, um, products that come from like big corporations in this country. And it's kind of a joke, called them big corporations. But you kind of let that get that let down. I went in there into Doc yesterday and I said, yay, can I have some peanuts? And I get told, hey, there's two types of peanuts. You can have uh, salted peanuts or you can have paprika peanuts. And I'm like, paprika peanuts? This is new. Okay, I'll have some. And then there was a big jar of paprika peanuts that they actually make up themselves and put in there. And I was super happy to see that. And I got put out in a little ceramic ramekin and I was so happy to see that. It was a really, real. Again, you guys, you've got something really amazing there, and I hope you build on the bar snack side of things as well. Um, And it was good for you guys to give me a couple minutes of your time just to sort of talk about what was going on. And again, that was really great. What I want to really come down to in this episode and talk about is, I want to talk about some of the the passion that's actually on display uh, from people who actually work, uh, live, eat, sleep, breathe this kind of business in Ireland. And, you know, it really comes through in the care and attention for, pro- for the products that are being put out. Uh, it's definitely coming through when you actually sit down and sort of have even brief conversations. And I'll sort of get into this in a second, that you do not get... With your average commercial fizzy piss because a guy who's in a suit doesn't care about passion, all he cares about is some figures on a bottom line, doesn't care about the product per se, doesn't care about how the product's received, I mean all he just needs to make sure is that anything that he's going to do where there's a possible socio-political stumbling block in there is to make sure he just pays those lobbyists a bit harder to go in there and, and fight on their behalf and you know there 's' all it always comes down to something which' is designed on a budget and something which is to a budget to make some asshole in a gray suit feel better about themselves about taking home a couple of extra million um and not really giving a shit about the end customer either um because it 's like you know we 're we 're worth lots, and you know what they 'll continue to buy this because they're that 's what they 're used to buying and they 'll continue to buy it um so why should we do anything better or do anything otherwise, which is kind of why. You see it in Dublin, for example. People are still going out and buying lunch, and they're going out, and if they're buying lunch, they're going into places where there are these guys who were doing delis, and they're taking great care with even... Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Mulligan, uh, his, one of his friends opened 147 Deli up near uh, North Frederick Street in Dublin, and again, there's a guy who actually goes, and he smokes his own pastrami, and does his own pastrami. Like, so, again, doesn't buy commercial corned beef, or doesn't... And 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 then decide he's gonna like slice it up like wafer thin. Like he takes care and attention, puts it in his own smoker, and gets it out into sandwiches. Does his own pickles, um, has get arranges his breads and everything else. Again, great care and attention. Then you've got guys like Poulet Bonfemme who've taken the chicken sandwich. You know the, you know the most humble of sandwiches, really, apart from the ham and cheese sandwich. And again. The amount of care and attention that Gavin and all the guys in Poulibon Femme put into their goddamn chickens and, and their pork and their lamb and their beef. And again, you just, and people are paying €7 euros for those sandwiches. And again, people not really uh, then complaining about it. And when I talk about sort of the €7 mark, I want to jump into something just very, very quickly in relation to this. Um... There was an article that turned up in one of the papers a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, uh, where they were talking about expensive places to go drinking in Dublin. And one of the pubs that came up was the Oliver St. John Gogarty, where they were saying that pints of beer were seven euros. And the reaction from like readers on journal, and you know, if you're going to talk about sort of comments on, uh, articles that are put up on the journal.ie, you know, you have to take it with a pinch of salt, because I'm pretty sure you go up there and if you're, you're going to leave a comment, you're doing so with more than a handful of crazy on you. Uh, But they were talking about 7 euro pints and how outrageous it was that some places were charging 7 euros for a pint. You know what, I went into BrewDog yesterday, and the second beer that I decided to have in BrewDog, because every time I go looking for this on on draft, I kind of get cock-blocked and I get a little bit pissed off, um, is I had a pint of BrewDog's Punk IPA on draft. Uh, It is no secret I love me some Punk IPA. Uh, A lot. A lot, a lot. Um... But when I was in there and I got in and I got told it was six euro eighty for a pint, you know it. I had no arguments with it. In fact, there wasn't even a surprise on my face for it. And then I think about like what you pay for like uh, pints of of real beer, craft beer in general. And it comes back to what I'd said on the first episode that if people are going out and they're going to go and spend money on having a drink in Dublin City. I would feel really fucking short changed handing over the guts of 5 euros for some chemical ridden piss in a glass that actually looks like piss in a glass and has the same fucking color to it. And then you go in there and you part with a 5 or maybe 6 euros or something for something which has a little bit more love, a little bit more care, doesn't have chemicals in it and the people who are putting it in or putting it out there for sale actually give a damn about what people think about their products coming out the other side and they care. to to, to always be improving their product and find ways to improve their product and and, and do things that are really cool for the people who like their their brands or the beers that they're producing. You know, this comes right back to what I was going to touch on a little bit. I was in Farrington's yesterday. Barry had kindly rocked me up a number of craft beer tasters and it was... I'd gotten to the point where they had a, a ton of Irish stuff up on the board, and I was in sort of the last three that I really wanted to go and try out of it. I think I'd tried about 90% of the Irish beers that were up there. Uh, the other ones I'd actually had before, and I'm, I'm quite a I'm quite a, a fan of those. But one of them was the Otterbank Ferrami Stout. And I had this sitting in front of me, along with a, a taster of the Bow Bristle IPA, and I also had a taster of the, uh, I believe it was the Metal Man... Uh, chameleon ural lager um and i was i was talking into the farambi and you know the first thing I do is i hold the little cra- uh, taster beer glass up to my nose and just sort of i can I'm, I'm starting to get smoky smells and i'm like oh hang on a second this reminds me of the uh the chameleon smoked uh from metal man brewery that i had before christmas and i'm just thinking okay I like when you start putting smoke and porter together. You know, it's I've I had that first experience and I was totally sold on it being an idea and the smokiness was just subtle and it was it it wasn't uh it, it had a really sort of really really nice uh um, sort of after linger in my nose as well which I really dug. And then I take a mouthful of it and I swear to Christ, you know, the guys in Otterbank, you know, whatever you guys are are doing, you know, more of it. Definitely more of it. it big, complex tastes up in my mouth, and I, and I said to uh, to Barry, I was like, Jesus, this is actually something really special, I really dig this, and then, you know, Barry being the wise sage that he is, he says to me, uh, you know, that's only after coming out of the tap, you should always just leave stuff like that, sit a little bit longer, and I guarantee you come back to it, and everything will develop more, and of course, he's totally right, when you get something out of a tap, especially if you're talking about a porter, or you're talking about an IPA, you know... Let them come up to room temperature a bit more. Let them. If they come out of the top, There, there will be a bit of coolness to them, a bit of cold to them. Let them come up to temperature. So you're letting all the flavors, the air, come in and develop them a bit more. And the temperature's coming up, so certain flavors aren't being hidden in the in the coldness uh, that's that's in, inhabiting the glass. And. I was gobsmacked about how much flavors. I mean, this isn't a slight on anyone else who does port it, but this particular one, I just happened to be right in the mood for this after I just had a big food uh, face full of, uh, of bison barbecue beforehand. So, you know, this just totally fit in with it. And... I'm sitting there drinking it, and uh, I said to Barry, "I was like Jesus, when you actually let this sit there just that even a bit longer than what you were suggesting, like, and the flavors they are all developing. And when you're in your mouth, and there's a great mouth feel, and that smoky flavor is just that little bit, little bit better because the cold isn't hiding it away. And I and I was it was an aftertaste that like I was trying to figure out what the fuck it was, and it was really bugging me." And I said to the bar, he was like, wow, that's incredible. Smoke it all. And I was saying that the malts were just ridiculously complex and it was lovely. And he says to me, uh, yeah, that's Declan's beer. And he points to a chap at the other end of the bar, which happened to be Declan from Otterbank. Didn't know because I'd never met him before. And uh, I briefly get into a conversation with Declan. And you know what? When you For a really, really short conversation with the guy, there is one thing that really comes across. And you know what? a love for, these, for the beer and, and a love of the challenge of what he wants to achieve and what he wants to come out of it. Um, and again, I'm hoping that uh, Declan and Alex will allow me to sit down with them in the coming weeks and, and maybe we can tell a couple of the stories about why they're doing what they're doing, what they, they want to achieve from it. And again, give a voice to an Irish real beer producer. And, and, and I want to do this with other guys as well. Who are out there? So again, I'd love to. I'm definitely going to try and see if I can hit up the guys in Brew, hit up the guys in Trouble Brewing as well. Uh, I'd love to hit up the guys down in O'Hara's. Uh, again, any of the guys who are out there who are doing sort of craft beer slash real beer in Ireland. And 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 starting off small and tr- trying to get their beers out there uh, and being in a couple of places. You know, that would be great. I would love to hit them up. but Guys, I'm on Twitter. You, most of you follow me back on Twitter. Hit me up. I'd love to arrange a date and time to come out uh, and chop things up with you guys. And then let other people hear your stories because that's ultimately what this is about. I mean, you want to take the story about Guinness. I mean, Jesus Christ, the story about Guinness and how that's done has been retold countless times Uh, throughout various Christmas campaigns or advertising campaigns, and it kind of gets a bit fucking sick uh, at some point in hearing it. Uh, Budweiser, how it was pulled by Clydesdale horses, and all the usual bollocks that goes with that. I want to hear stories from craft beer producers who one day they actually decide, you know what, I have had enough of commercial fizzy piss and crap that comes pumped out of a tap, and I want to go and do my own thing, and I want to share my ideas for what I believe... Real beer should taste like with other people, and I want to. And then interacting with the wider beer community in Ireland, and I want to share those stories, especially when sort of uh, Declan says to me that oh, the one or the two of the beers that they were doing, they were actually rocking together down in uh, brews uh, place down in Trim, and that he's looking to do another beer somewhere else and another one somewhere else. And I'm thinking, Jesus, that's amazing, nomadic beer brewing. That's a really cool. Even the stories about that alone, about the people that you know, how you know them. Uh, what you want to achieve, or or why you want to do the beers in those facilities with those people. Again, great stories uh, that, again, need to be shared, because, again, this is part of the mythos. Of, like, Irish people in Ireland who do, like, craft beers and real beer production, they don't have mar- huge marketing budgets. Uh, they're guys who are hugely passionate about beer, uh, and they're letting the product fucking speak for itself uh, and be and be its own voice is one thing but being able to share those stories with everyone widely because they're um maybe they don't get as much of the uh the paper space in like the Indo or Times or any of these that they really really should um pages that tend to be dominated by the fucking big five breweries around the world uh, again shaped by men in suits with grey with grey faces grey personalities and grey fucking lives and of course that's evident in their goddamn beers um but I want to be able to sit down and do, and have these conversations. And like I said, even the couple of minutes conversation that Declan was able to have with me, uh, and just talking about and he, him talking about the Farami, uh Porter, like again, m- just a wealth of information and a wealth of of. Um, ideas just being poured out in that short period of time and, and even for someone like me who's like I'm hugely enthusiastic about like what we actually have here and what we can actually do to promote it better and how we can actually sort of make more people uh, stop fucking buying Heineken, Carlsberg and, and Guinness and shit like that and actually get them to taste what real beer actually is um, and to get past this fucking point where uh, the you, people go in and they and the first thing they do is they they go for a pint of, of chemicals and shove it down their throat and then think that that was money well spent. Uh, and you know what? There's a great sign that's sitting up inside Brudock uh, just behind the bar under a blackboard. Just says, "Life is too short to drink crap beer." And you know what? I firmly believe that. Uh, and, and even from when like I, I started sort of paying attention to what the guys in BrewDog were doing. I mean, okay, their marketing is quite different because James is a fucking maniac uh, who's extremely slick in what he wants to do and what and the messages that he wants to put out. And he's uh, like real fucking maverick in the way that he kind of does it as well. Uh, maybe, well, for this side of the water anyway. Um, but again, it's driving the point home that, you know, it's... Beer isn't something which should be associated with, like, yabo and, and arsehole behavior. Like, beer can be amazing. It can be uh, quite a great experience for people and a great learning experience for people as well. Again, hugely important. And I'm thinking about the experiences, and it takes me back to um, a little bit sort of back into my own childhood, Um like with my mum brewing her own or sorry not brew, sorry, brewing her own wines but sort of making her own wines and us going out and picking things like picking dandelions to go and make dandelion wine uh, picking crab apples to go and make another kind of wine uh, picking other apples so she can go make cider, uh, picking rose hips for rose hip wine, and helping my mum sort of put these together in the kitchen, and then getting to the stage where bottling them. And I remember a couple of times as a kid, like uh, trying to fill up the bottles before like putting the corks in and just like spilling stuff all over the place, um, or even like when it came time to making beer with my mum in the kitchen and my dad as well, um, where I'm doing things like I'm crushing up Weetabix. To be fed into a beer. That was one beer I remember. I remember crushing up cornflakes to go into another beer. Uh, And I remember for, uh, I think it was like an 8% lager that she'd made at one stage. Crushing up Rice Krispies to go into it. Um, Again, just like sort of, again, these sort of real, really sort of vivid experiences I have as a kid. And I remember the Weetabix, like standing there above the beer bucket. And actually just crushing Weetabix biscuits in my hand. And I actually en- just enjoying the feeling of doing this. And uh, my one in each hand. My mum's saying to me, no, make sure you've only got one in your hand. I don't want try, don't want to try and get any uh, any sm- small bits. I'd like to try and just make sure that when you're breaking them up, like it's one clean break and they're being broken up. So they are trying to minimize the amount of, of small particles that are in there for when she wants to try and filter it later on through muslin or something like that. Uh, again, sort of very, very vivid experiences. And even when I... I went back to my mum's house, um, my dad's house, a couple of weeks ago before Christmas. I went and sort of raided my mum's. Uh, she keeps all these notebooks about how she makes all her her beers and her wines and everything else, and she's got a, like a fantastic catalog of these where she's been documenting her recipes and everything else. And I'm sort of flicking through them, and I'm just like, Jesus! Like again, real care and attention to detail, and you can see where the first iteration of the recipe went in and where certain things would be crossed out and other sort of notes going in there as well. And again, sort of like, and then I'm thinking about what that, and I'm thinking about the experiences that I had as a child. And then I'm sort of meeting people uh, who are talking about how we have some great produce coming through from beer in this country. And again... Passion is the one thing which always underlines this. It's always about this, this this unending love for for making it better, doing something a bit better, and the, and the learning experience from it, and doing something that hasn't been done in in Ireland before, or doing something which challenges convention. Um, for one of the beers, I think I actually think it was the Framy one. When Declan was telling me was like they oh they said I couldn't do this and this, uh or we couldn't do this and this, and we're doing the beer. They thought we were crazy, and then he went and did it, and and the result was. Um, what was actually sitting in my glass and permeating my mouth and and, and just being a, a really great experience and and just thinking about sort of all that complex all the complexity that was going on in terms of flavors in my mouth and trying to identify bits and pieces of it again like a a really enjoyable sensory experience and we we've already had this with food in this country where we've gone from like having pretentious uh quality foods to, to people who are doing like really good artisan food and then not charging it to the point where it's breaking your wallet breaking your bank and now we're at the point where we're getting beers like this as well. Again, great crossover is really important um, that these things get to continue and get to live and breathe. Um, I'm sorry to show this today; mightn't have like an, in terms of an awful lot of sort of uh, salient content, but I'm just, I just want to sort of share. Some of my thoughts that of what I've experienced sort of in the last uh, while since I started like engaging a bit more in the community and what I'm actually finding, and sort of how that's relaying and parlaying back into some of my own childhood experiences coming from a home that engaged in in making their own wine, making their own beer, wine appreciation, beer appreciation, and teaching others how to actually engage in homebrew, uh, and it's something that like is now it's it's weighing back in my mind, and I'm now I'm now at the point where I'm looking to engage in making my own beers. Uh, because I have a couple of ideas in my head that I've, of beers that I would like to do beers that I would like to drink um, and, and do alternatives for myself rather than buying beers that are usually traditionally found outside Ireland so that I particularly like beers that are here in Ireland and that are in the style that that I like in and and, and and makes me happy to go and drink uh, and again is it, this whole journey. As it, it 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 kind of feels like falling further and further down the rabbit hole in in a lot of respects, and actually falling further down and 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 enjoying each step of take and each tumble as you're making your way through it. Uh, but look, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going if Alex and Declan guys, I really love to sit down with you, and you know what, I'll reach out. Uh, by email to, to you guys and I'll try and check out. am going to try and reach out to a couple of other breweries again, see if I can line something up in the coming weeks um, and, and start filling more into the podcast in that way uh, because it's something that I definitely want to do. And one thing which I'm actually also going to try and do as well is, and again, I kind of hit it while I was sitting in Farrington's yesterday, uh, is reaching out to the guys who are working in a lot of the establishments in Dublin City as a start. Who are engaged in promoting real beer and craft beer and actually are great exponents of it and because there I mean there 's not everyone who is in this country who is engaged in in the real beer revolution or the craft beer revolution in Ireland goes to Dublin City or he's able to drink in any of these establishments. They'll have their own local establishment doing And I want to try and share stories from these people. Like Barry was saying to me yesterday that like his ideal beer challenge is where you stick four beers down in front of someone. You ask them what their regular uh, beer is uh, in terms of like if it's Budweiser, Heineken, Carlsberg, and you let them have a pint of that, and then you give them two pints of like craft beer or or real beer equivalents, and then ask them to go back to their original beer at the end for the fourth one, and just to see their reaction of like, drinking that beer after having the other two. Again, I, I thought to myself, that's a, that's a that's a fantastic idea. Like convert more craft beer and real beer virgins, uh, and it's something that like I would love to see more of being done. Uh, you know we need to we need to take people's craft beer and real beer virginity in in, in, in where we can when the guys I work with uh, a couple of them aren't um i've actually they're at the point where they're in, they now will start looking at more and more craft beers and real beers and i like i i kind of one way in one respect hate to say this but the usual t- beer that i've given to people to introduce them to uh beers outside the the gray uh, beer from 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 the man, from the corporations, the global corporations, has been punk IPA. And again, just because it's extremely ballsy, but it's not too far of a leap in where it's it's, it's so wildly and outrageously different that it turns them off. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's the equivalent of someone who usually likes to drink uh, Budweiser Fizzy Piss and then sticking something like uh, a hardcore IPA in front of them or sticking something. Uh, like maybe Metal Man's alternator in something again, just wildly different things. I always thought Punk was a good, uh, good intro piece because it was actually one of the ones that was put in front of me to make me go, "Hey, you know, uh, look a bit closer to home than some of the some of the American beers. Have a look a little bit closer to to home on this side of the world, and you'll see there's some amazing stuff being done." And uh, punk was one of those ones that I was introduced to, and I've sort of been a been a huge fan of it ever since. Uh, and I'm finding what's great is through this process, not only this podcast, but sort of engaging in further conversations with like uh, some of the guys on Bjor on Twitter, like, people like Barry and Farringtons, or or even like uh, my buddy Frank, like who again l- loves his beers and some of his mates Dave and everything else. Um, that we are growing some incredible beers in this country and and i've found a couple that have actually like now they're 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 rivaling my love of uh what the guys in BrewDog dog do and i'm not just talking about from the attitude side of things but i'm just talking about in terms of big fiery punches of flavor up in the mouth love what those guys are doing and you know what i think it's actually getting to the point and in fact yep there it goes we are calling for last orders on this episode of the podcast. Uh, next week, what I think I'm actually going to do is I'm going to try and get my buddy, Frank, uh, to jump on the show. Uh, Frank, this is like your, uh, five minute warning <laughs> for doing it. Uh, because he's been actually sort of defining his way. He's actually now done two sort of home brews. And again, just someone who's sort of fresh into us just to try and share those experiences with people who are like thinking, Oh, I don't know if I really want to get into homebrew. Um, and just to like from because he is so fresh and so new into it, like everything in this is kind of new to him and he's got lots of people giving him some great advice out there and he's asking all the right questions and always trying to learn more and everything else. And I'd like to kind of share that with people who are maybe thinking of, you know, I don't know is craft beer or brewing my own beer really for me you know is there anything to be gained out of it and it's the fun aspect of it as well uh, so I'm going to see if I can get him to come on I want to say thanks to everyone again who's been checking out the episode of the show the kind words people have been saying as well to me um, about what the, the show is and like and and sort of a couple other bits and pieces as well it's been fantastic if you want to follow the show on Twitter it's at 11pm uh, podcast uh, if you or somewhere podcast it's also now officially up on iTunes so you can find it up there the RSS feed is now up on the Tumblr site 11pm somewhere.tumblr.com and i am actually working on getting it up into Stitcher so until next time say no to fizzy piss